You're listening to the Therapy for Women podcast with licensed therapists Amanda White, Fern Formel, and Gabby Salomone. Whether you're contemplating therapy for the first time, already in therapy, or reconsidering it, this podcast will empower you with tips, advice, and plenty of real talk so you can get the most out of your sessions. All right. Hi, everyone. We're back with another episode. Hi, everybody. Hi, everyone. How are we today? We're good. We're really really excited because Sam is here and the three of us have just been chatting for 30 minutes before we hit record. (laughs) I have that effect on people. (laughs) That's a compliment. So Sam is here and she's one of our therapists. She's licensed Mm -hmm. in Utah, Illinois, Massachusetts, Virginia, soon to be D.C. She is here to talk a bit about faith deconstruction and her journey being raised in the LDS church and how she, you know, deconstructed that faith. So welcome to the podcast, Sam. Thank you. Happy to be here, Amanda. I think that's what they say on like late night shows. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So, So yeah. So yeah, I'm Sam. Thank you for that perfect introduction. I'm licensed all over the country, apparently. <laughs> you are. But yeah, so I um, I was born into the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. You currently live in Utah. Correct. Live in the Salt Lake City area. Yeah. You're a transplant there, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I, I grew up in New York State. And yeah, I've been here 13 years. Um, I came out here to go to college and then went to college, got a job, then went to grad school at the University of Utah, then got another job. (laughs) And now here we are. So yeah, so I, and this, it's kind of interesting how we decided to land on this topic. This is not originally what we were going to discuss today. So well, we got started on the topic because we were talking about a soda. 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 The soda shops, which yeah. is a very specific Utah phenomenon. They're actually in Arizona and Idaho oh, as well. Okay. They're starting to spread their tentacles a little bit. But anyway. So yeah, so my my faith deconstruction journey has been long. It's been I, I would say it started the second I left home and went to college. That I I can remember starting to feel a lot of anxiety in regards to church anxiety that I hadn't had growing up. And, you know, for a long time, I kind of pushed that to the side, pushed that to the side, pushed that to the side. And then by time I turned about 22, I really started to kind of dive in and question things and try to make sense of things. But before I jump into that, I just want to preface this with, Anything I'm about to say is my opinion, right? Anything I'm about to say is about my experience and my understanding. And this is my journey and no one else's. Um, And my experience, still considering myself to appoint a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Also, we're supposed to call ourselves the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, but for hundreds of years, we were called Mormons. So for the sake of continuity and ease, I am going to use Mormon. So don't come at me in Sounds my DMs good. if 
you're upset by this. So anyway, so, so yeah, so I was raised Mormon. Was it intergenerational? Like, are your, were your parents' parents Mormon as well? Is it? So, so it's actually really interesting. So Mormon missions, have you guys heard of those? Yeah. Yeah. So, so men are, yes. (laughs) So, yeah. And yeah. So men are required. It, it is, that is easing a little bit. It's more strongly encouraged at about the age of 18. So when you graduate high school, that you will devote two years of your life to going out. And mm-hmm. it, it's become much more service oriented. So the goal is to wherever community you land in the globe, you don't get a choice. It's assigned mm-hmm. to you. You learn the language, you serve you know, the formal term is called proselyting, right? So that's, that's when you talk about the church, you teach people about the church and you will baptize people. So women are, there is no standard for women to go. It's completely optional. Um, and they're allowed to go at the age of 19. Mm -hmm. Do not ask me to explain why there is an age difference. That's just what we're told. With that background of the mission, my dad was assigned to the Montreal, Canada mission, hundred years ago when he was 20 and he met my mom on the mission. And so actually his mission companion at the time baptized my mom. Okay. Oh, okay. So he kind of so, converted. Yeah. Mom converted your during yeah. your that. Okay. Yes. All right. And so my mom is a convert to the church. Okay. Um, her siblings also converted Um, Mm -hmm. Her and my uncle are still active. My other aunt and uncle are not. Okay. Her parents never did. My dad on my grandma's side, so my paternal grandma's side, multi-generational members. On my paternal grandfather's side, he was never a member. Okay. He never joined. Okay. But was supportive Mm -hmm. of my grandma and my dad and his siblings being involved. Okay. So, so fairly not like we crossed the plains. Like that's, yeah. that, that's kind of like, that's also like a rite of passage out here. Right. Like, okay. you know, some people are like, we were with, I shouldn't do a voice. That's so rude. <laughs> <laughs> but you're talking about like the original. Yeah. Norm, like there, you're ta- yeah. Yes, there are people yeah. here. Yeah whose claim to fame is like their ancestors were in like the original handcart company with like Brigham Young and got it, you know, landed in Salt Lake. I'm not going to say founded or discovered because there were people here. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But anyway, so yeah, so that's kind of like my, my background. So, so because, you know, my dad only had one parent that was active in the church and, you know, my mom was a convert. I had a fairly, liberal, flexible upbringing. You know, I was fairly lucky. I knew there were kids that were told, you know, oh, you can't play with those kids or like, you can't be with those kids. I never had that. Um, my parents taught me to be more concerned about who people are to be your friends. Mm -hmm. Right. So, so growing up, I got invited to bar mitzvahs and bat mitzvahs and I went to communions. And so, so that was my foundation, which I'm so appreciative of because I felt like I had a, a normal worldview, right? I, I didn't have this very almost bordering on nar- like narcissistic sense of self. So when I came to Utah, 
I, it was a huge culture shock because it was the exact opposite. Mm. Right. Like it was the first time in my life I could say the word mission and have everybody around me know exactly what I was saying, which you'd think in some ways that would be comforting. Mm -hmm. It was actually fairly overwhelming for me. Mm. I, I struggled to feel like I fit in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it sounds even, Sam, like you kind of came from, you know, being Mormon was just another religion among yes. other people with other mm-hmm. religions. And then mm-hmm. you moved to Utah and it was this whole the one. shock. Yeah, it was yeah. the one. And the one. The one that was more intense than you were raised. Yes. Yeah. Like yes. It was like if you were, a, I guess, like Italy, right? Like the, the country's religion is... Catholicism. So it's almost like yeah. if you were in Italy and like that's pretty much all there is. There's, you know, some other religions these days, but pretty much Catholicism. And then you like are then like transplanted there from like another like from I don't know, England where it's Protestant, right? And like you're like, mm-hmm. wait, this is this is weird. <laughs> yeah. 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 It was it was a lot. And and I was, you know, I mean <laughs> who among us at 18 was a philosopher, right? Right. So like you just kind of, you just go with it and, and it was fine because everybody was in this, at the same life level in, we've all recently left home. We're all trying to figure ourselves out. Let's just kind of make the best of it. And, Mm -hmm. And you're so busy with like school and friends and all this stuff. You don't really have time to, start thinking about like, what does this mean to me? Mm-hmm. Why am I, why am I having anxiety sitting in church? I don't, I don't understand why I have anxiety when I'm getting ready for church. Mm. Right. Mm. I would say one of the biggest things that got me thinking was when people at 19 and 20 were getting married. Mm. Wow. Yeah. And that was so celebrated. Like yeah. you did it you made it, you did what you were supposed to do, good job. Mm -hmm. Mm. And so over time, as that happens to more and more people, and I'm over here like, I'm not ready for that, you start to feel more and more isolated. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I also, yeah, exactly. I also got very lucky because my parents never pushed that. And in fact were they say they're relieved I still haven't gotten married <laughs> like they're like of course like we want that for you but marriage yeah. is hard and and mm-hmm. it takes effort and we want you to know yourself and we don't want you to settle yeah and mm-hmm. within a lot of families in the Mormon church that's actually rare a lot of parents and extended family members will start to be like why are you dating who are you dating I'm worried that you're not married yet what are you going to do? There's kind of this underlying theme of there's a way to be Mm -hmm. right. And it's get married, have kids done. I was going to say, it's like college. If you go to college, is that looked at like, that's where you go to find a husband. So education within the church is actually really encouraged. We, we really look highly on being educated, you know, being of the world, right? Or being in the world, not of the world. That's a weird saying, but it's what I grew up with. And 
yeah, so so education is encouraged. However, it is pushed differently for women. I would say in the last like five, 10 years that started to shift, right? And there's plenty of women within the church who are highly educated, you know, successful, all of that. However, often the expectation is the unwritten expectation is that for the woman, your career will take the back seat mm. to be a mother. Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Being being a mother is the priority. There's there's no rule that says like you can't work or you can't do this, right? And I know plenty of women who do work. However, there is an immense amount of guilt and stress when you are working and feeling like, oh, am I supposed should I be with my kids all the time? Am I supposed to be with my kids all the time? Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so yes, like education is encouraged. And to a point, I would say, like going to BYU, Brigham Young University in Provo, mm-hmm. I did not go to BYU. And I think that was a higher power intervening because I really wanted to go. Mm-hmm. When, I, when I first got out here, that's where I really wanted to go. And I ended up going to Utah Valley University, which is like 15 minutes up the road. Still heavily Mormon, but doesn't have an honor code, you know, doesn't have requirements for attending church classes or, or anything like that. It's not a religious school at all. It's just a state Got school. It. Yeah. I went there with the thought of transferring to BYU and it never worked out. And I think if I had gotten into BYU, I would have been deeply unhappy. Mm-hmm. I, I think I would have struggled even more there. I mean, I don't know who knows. Right. Yeah. But, mm-hmm. but knowing myself now and where I was then, I think it would have, that was kind of like divine intervention. <laughs> yeah. But, but my sister went there mm-hmm. and she she had a positive experience, but her and I have been deconstructing at the same time. Right. And it's it's been an interesting process for us to kind of rely on each other through that. Sam, when you say deconstructing your faith, what does that actually Maybe can you explain that a little bit to our listeners or, you know, explain what that looks like and maybe a little bit about what goes into that? Yeah. So, so really the clinically, the concept of deconstructing is assessing your relationship to something Mm. and understanding where you want to fit in that relationship. And if you want that relationship, Mm -hmm. so for me, there is absolutely because of because of being born into it, because of being raised into it, there is a relationship for better or worse with the LDS church. And so over the last decade of my life, I've been spending time really understanding how does that fit into my life? Mm-hmm. How do I understand this? What do I struggle with? What am I like still attached to Mm -hmm. what brings me fulfillment, what doesn't. Mm -hmm. And as I evolve as a person outside of that, how does that then change my interaction with that relationship? So that's how I would describe deconstruction. And and with my clients, that's how I would describe it. And, and deconstruction is we know as therapists is a topic that can be applied to really any part of your life right Mm -hmm. absolutely like it's it's not solely related to faith however I feel like faith 
can be the most complex. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. To deconstruct from. And, and this is for, this isn't just for the LDS church. This is if you're evangelical, you're Catholic, you're Jewish, you're yeah. Muslim, like th- this is across the board. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, for me, I didn't realize I was in this deconstruction period until I would say probably three, four years ago. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I, I would say like 22 to like my late twenties, I, I had all of this anger and resentment mm-hmm. and I was kind of leaning into what that was and what that meant, but I didn't have like the word to put to it. And then finally, when I, when I was in therapy, um, I, <laughs> you know, came, I know, right. Big shocker. I came to the realization of, of what I had been doing mm-hmm. and what I continue to do. And so, so that process has been extremely liberating. It's been heartbreaking. It's been mm-hmm. confusing. It's been relieving. It, so it's, it's a, it's a very mixed bag and it's so nuanced and it's so layered. And that's why at the beginning of the podcast, I said, please know, like, this is my individual experience. I am in no way sitting here saying like, I am speaking for, yeah. you know, the LDS church or, or for all experience. No. Cause I know people who are perfectly content and happy mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in the system as it is because the system worked for them. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I was gonna say, it's almost like you're saying like, this is my process. I'm still working on it. I'm still figuring it out. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. not a one size fits all. No. It's ongoing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It is it is constant. Yeah. It's constant. Mm-hmm. And it's and it's always reevaluating. And I've and I've found that's how I've made peace with it. Mm-hmm. Is accepting that I don't need a finish line. I don't mm-hmm. have to have a destination. I don't have to be in a particular space with it. I can simply be right now. I love that. I think that's so important. I mean, even when you were talking, Sam, about the different emotions you're feeling at Mm -hmm. once, I think Mm -hmm. that's really important to normalize because Mm -hmm. that's something I think we see a lot as therapists is we feel like there's something wrong if we feel more than one way or, Mm -hmm. right? I heard a lot of what you were saying similar to if someone's going through like another major life change, a divorce, right? Like if you're a breakup, if you're changing careers, yep. right? Like there's going to yep. be mourning, sadness, excitement, relief, mm-hmm. like all those things you were talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think the most freeing element for me as I've gone through this is, is accepting the messiness, mm-hmm. right? It, because yeah. mm-hmm. in, in the, in the LDS church, there's a huge push on knowing. Mm-hmm. I know Okay. I know the church is true. I know the Book of Mormon is true. I know the prophet is, you know, a, a sign from God. Like I, I know all of these things, and I realized for a long time I didn't know, and that's what was causing me so much tension and friction. Was I felt like I was lying when I would stand up, you know, to either like bear my testimony or make comments, or or if I was you know, sometimes, well, every Sunday, some ward members are picked to give talks. And, and so, so we're a very like community focused, like learning group, (laughs) right? Like we all kind of learn from each other. And so the expectation is when you end a talk or you end a lesson or anything like that, you say like, 
I know the church is true. I know, you know, I know the Book of Mormon is true. I know Joseph Smith's the prophet, you know, all these kind of running little things. And, and I would say that all the time and I would feel so much angst after I said it. Mm-hmm. And for the longest time I couldn't figure that out. Cause I'd be like, well, I do know, like I know. And then finally I had to realize like, no, I don't. I believe mm-hmm. there are things that I believe I don't know. Mm-hmm. And so the minute I took that pressure off of myself of this feeling that I had to know everything that I had to have an answer for everything. The minute I took that pressure off, I felt like I was finally able to breathe Mm -hmm. and that I was able to make sense of, okay, I can now have peace with, there are elements that I believe and there are elements that I don't believe. And that's okay. Some Orthodox members would say, no, that's not my concern. Are you looking for some skills on how to improve your mental health? Therapy for Women has some great workshops and groups coming up this spring that I'd love to tell you about. First up, starting April 5th, we have a four-week DBT skills group led by Kat Hilton. DBT is a phenomenal resource to help you learn how to regulate your emotions, improve your relationships, and also develop healthy ways of coping. So it's going to be four sessions, totally virtual. You can take this workshop no matter where you live in the country, and it'll be 175 for the set of four classes. We're keeping this small, so you'll have a lot of individual attention, so be sure to sign up if you're interested in it. The other one coming up on Thursday, April 13th is going to be an anxiety and insomnia workshop. So if you are someone who struggles with insomnia or anxiety, your sleep hygiene, you're not going to want to miss this workshop. It's only $20. Again, it's totally virtual, so you can participate from anywhere in the world. And finally, Melanie is going to be doing the Patriarchy's Impact on Pleasure, also going to be a $20 virtual workshop coming up on Thursday, May 25th. She's going to be talking about how the patriarchy targets women and how it impacts our ability to feel pleasure and joy in sex. So if you're interested in any of these workshops, visit therapyforwomencenter.com slash events. Now back to the show. Mm-hmm. Sam, is, you know, with believing in some parts of the religion and coming to find that you don't believe in other parts, are you really able to still be part of that community? Like, especially like out in Utah, right? Like, like, I think I was raised Catholic, right? And mm-hmm. there are plenty of people we, you know, we call them like holiday Last. Catholics, right? Or yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like they, yeah, like, you know, they show up for like, yeah, Easter and Christmas. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's okay, you know, and there are yeah. definitely some people who would probably look, definitely look down on, on Catholics like that, but they can still like go to church and, you know, go to masses mm-hmm. and everything. And I'm curious if it's the same in mm-hmm. the like LDS community. Yeah. So, so church is, you can go whenever you want. The expectation is that you should be going every week. I work Sundays, right? (laughs) You can't really go to church if you're working. Yeah, I can't, I can't go to church if I'm working in the emergency room and, you know, following the scripture that says mourn with those that mourn and comfort those that stand in need of comfort, right? So 
what happens is when your actions, okay, start to deviate from what is expected. So that, and this, this holds true for anybody. This is, this is whether you're single, you're married, you're divorced, like none of this matters, right? If I started consuming alcohol, if I, you know, started having sex out of wedlock, if I, you know, just like any of these very morally focused behaviors, if I start to deviate from that and engage in those behaviors, that would prevent me from being able to go to the temple. Mm -hmm. Okay. Right. Which is higher than the church or more serious. Yes. So, so the temple is, it's where you go for what we call to receive the endowment. So, so it's an additional blessing from God. And so you have to be living life a certain way to qualify for entry into that. Personally, the season that I am at in my life is I enjoy the temple much more than I do going to regular Sunday worship because the temple is very individual. It's a very individual experience. You're basically there to worship on your own. I struggle with having to hear everybody's opinions (laughs) that I deeply disagree with. And I found that that was very triggering for me. Whereas the temple, I could go any day of the week. Yeah, it's it's a very unique place to be. And there, mm-hmm. there are some in the church who would tell me, well, if you're not going to church every week right now, technically you aren't worthy to go to the temple. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't ascribe to that belief, mm-hmm. right? I, I feel very confident and comfortable in how I'm living my life. And mm-hmm. that's between me and God. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I also know a lot of people who struggle with that type of fluidity. Mm-hmm. And I've I've earned this fluidity <laughs> from a lot of work and effort and time and thought mm-hmm. and you know deconstruction. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's a very it's a very unique, nuanced place to be. Yeah. yeah. I guess I was just thinking that, you know, as you were talking, I was thinking about that other feeling, right? Mm-hmm. Just kind of mm-hmm. like dividing from the larger mm-hmm. community. And mm-hmm. I was just thinking about like, depending on where you're at in this deconstruction journey, uh, I could, yeah, it could just be really lonely. Um, mm-hmm. And I just imagine that that would be really hard. Yeah. It, it's been, it's been incredibly lonely. And again, I have been so lucky one that my sister over the last couple of years has also started to go through this mm-hmm. that my mom has as well mm. and that my dad is just super supportive of us like he's just <laughs> like well I believe it but like Aww, I want dad. you guys to be happy you know so so I'm I'm very lucky that I I have that core group of my family yeah. I have very close friends who have the exact opposite experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have friends who their siblings shame them any chance mm-hmm. they get. You know, their parents are constantly inviting them to like come to church and like, you know, well, maybe, you know, life wouldn't feel so stressful if you had the spirit with you. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So so this understanding that to have access to God's influence and, you know, 
insight into your life and to receive blessings, you have to be living your life a certain way. Mm -hmm. That is something I violently disagree with, right? Mm -hmm. However, I have friends whose parents and families absolutely 100% believe that. And so when they say, hey, I'm, I'm no longer a part of the church or I no longer believe in this or I know it, it's so shame based in the delivery. Mm-hmm. A- and the important thing to remember is these families and, and individuals don't see it that way. Mm-hmm. They see it as they are showing you their love yeah. Yeah. By, by showing you how you've deviated and gone wrong. Yeah. Like they're saying like, you're wrong for this. Correct. Like they're deeply concerned for your eternal salvation and, and this deep concern that, you know, we won't be together forever in the celestial kingdom. You'll be in a lesser kingdom. And so, so for them, from their experience, that's, that's absolutely valid, right? That it, that is their belief system. Something that I really struggle with is how you can be so sacrificial to your children in the name of your belief system. Do you, I guess, Sam, in like your work, do you see people that come to talk to you about like feeling really isolated and shamed by their families for like making these choices where they, you know, they're like, I believe in something, but it's not all of this. I, I'm actually, most of my friends have fully left, no longer ascribed to it. There's, there's a couple of us that are still kind of in this in-between space. Yeah, in the gray area. In, in terms of clients, yes. I, I have mm-hmm. people who struggle with that, that level of isolation that comes with saying, I just don't believe this, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, usually you'll have, like, it seems like it's almost kind of split in half with families. Like half of the families are like, well, like, you know, I don't agree with it, but I still love you, right? <laughs> and the other half is like, no, like, you can't do this. And you can't live like this. And I can't have a relationship with you while you live like this. And which in the emergency room setting, I will hear those same words with like the substance users that I do. Yeah, that's with. exactly what I was thinking. Right. They think we'll, they're enabling. Yes. Yes. We'll, you know, we'll have a lot of people bring their family members in and, and they find out they've been drinking, they've mm-hmm. been using. Right. And those I can understand the stress, not from a, oh my gosh, your eternal soul is at risk, but more, you could die, (laughs) right? Like, like I, I can completely empathize with the, the stress and the overwhelm when you find out your family member is a substance user or struggling with addiction, or they're kind of flirting with use, right? I totally understand the concern with that we often have conflicting reasons why, right? I'm like, no, this is bad for their health today. Like I'm not talking about a thousand years from now. I'm talking about right now. And, and I would say to be fair, most people are in that same alignment, right? Mm-hmm. I, I would say I have met some of the nicest, most loving people that I have met have been within the church community. Genuinely, there, there mm-hmm. are some amazing, good, loving people there also some of the worst Mm -hmm. (laughs) and most cruel and vindictive and judgmental people I have met have been within the church. And so, so that gets isolating as well is you feel like you have to find your community of like-minded people 
or you won't fit in. That was, that was my, that was my experience. Yeah. I guess it also kind of goes into like, to just like the belief, like we were talking about earlier, like the beliefs around like marriage and kids and Mm -hmm. all of that. It's like, I'm guessing the older you get, the harder it is to be, you know, accepted. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) that would be that would be accurate and I and and I mean people people have passively made comments Mm -hmm. about things um I've also had people say alluding to being single well you know for some people it doesn't happen in this life Mm. maybe it'll happen in the next life Mm -hmm. and so you hear that even a handful of times and it's hard not to internalize, oh, there's something wrong with me. Yeah. Right? right? Yeah. And I am not, I'm very opinionated. I'm sure you can't tell that at all. Um, <laughs> but I, you know, I, I speak very freely and I'm very goal-oriented and, and I have a lot of dreams and I, I work my tush off to achieve those dreams, right? And there are some people in the culture of the church who would say I'm focusing on the wrong thing. Mm. Or there's also, there's also a line that says like, what are you doing in the waiting period? Mm. Like, are you taking advantage of your time while you're waiting? Mm -hmm. Like as in this, my life is in limbo until I get married. And so how am I like entertaining myself for lack of a better term in this in between? From what you said earlier, Sam, it sounds like, you know, marriage is like the ultimate achievement Mm -hmm. that you have, which Mm -hmm. I would imagine also puts a lot of pressure on people to get married, right? And might even push people to get married to someone that maybe they shouldn't get married to. And stay married to people that they shouldn't be married to. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it all just feels like there's so much pressure, like all the eternal yes. damnation, yeah. your soul. Mm-hmm. For I mean, mm-hmm. I'm not religious really in any way, and I wasn't really raised religious. So, Gabby yeah. or Fern, you guys can talk about. You know, you guys can correct yeah. me if I'm wrong. But is there like is I know like in obviously um, you know evangelical cultures mm-hmm. uh, besides. Mormonism, there is like talk about heaven and you know all of that mm-hmm. stuff, but like soul damnation <laughs> yeah. sounds like a very intense mm-hmm. word yeah. that I haven't heard a lot in other religions. So I will say something that I do appreciate about the LDS religion is is there's really not a focus on this idea of like fire and brimstone. Mm-hmm. Really, when there, like there's a scripture that says, you know, after judgment day, there will be the wailing and gnashing of teeth. And so that signifies this people will understand emotionally the consequences of the act of their actions and what they caused people to go through in this life. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's not it's not fire and brimstone. It's that there's these three separate what we call kingdoms, right? So it's the celestial, the telestial, and the terrestrial. I always get the bottom two confused. They sound like alien things. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And so so the goal is you want to be, God resides, God and the Savior reside in the celestial. 
-hmm. And so the goal is that you want to be in the celestial kingdom and and reside with God. Mm -hmm. So to do that, you have to be living a certain way in this life. And one of those includes a temple marriage. Mm -hmm. And so if you do not have a temple marriage, you technically do not qualify for the highest degree of glory. Mm-hmm. So it's not this you're going to like burn for eternity. It's more you're not going to achieve your full potential. Okay. That makes sense. Got it. So yeah, that's, that makes sense. That's, the, that's the belief system there, which I'm sure, you know, for me, there are a lot of problematic elements that I struggle with that and a lot of questions that I have about things. And, you know, so – that, but that's just factually what the what the belief is. Yeah. And I would say like being raised like Catholic and again, like Gabby, I'm, yeah. I'm sure you've had similar like, yeah, fire, brimstone, yeah. heaven, hell, purgatory, like yeah. all that soul damned, all that. Yeah, it, it very much exists. And I think it depends. As always, it depends like what church you go to, right? Like the church I was raised in until we moved to Puerto Rico, like we had an amazing priest who was like very, he was just like great and very accepting. And he he was like an awesome priest. And I'd say the one that we had in Puerto Rico was a little bit more like fire and brimstone-y. Um, he had this like big booming voice and just, um, there wasn't a lot of like pleasantness around religion. Mm-hmm. I would say with that priest yeah. versus like, my first priest at our first church for me was like he he wanted you to understand like the positive parts of this religion and yeah. like yeah. how yeah. to be like a good human. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. But I, yeah, I think it does depend on probably what community you're yeah. <laughs> you're in, not necessarily like the actual part of being Catholic. Yeah, I agree. Like it depends on the community you're in, and you know who's teaching you what, and what you're pulling from your you know religion or theology classes or church on Sunday or CCD classes, but. Well, and, and the role, the role of women in the church is something that my sister and I like deeply wrestle with. And, you know, it, it's, there's, there's a very clear line of messaging around, you know, who is in charge, who is not. And, you know, even if you look at the leadership positions that women are in, women are not, women are not in leadership positions that have any significant influence on decision-making, right? It's, there are female leaders, right? So, so within a ward, the Relief Society is the women's organization, okay? So, so there's a woman in charge of the Relief Society. A woman is always in charge of young women's. Right. And and for these two, they should be right. Like that's, that's what I'm saying. Like, this is absolutely, yeah, I agree. Um, for primary, which is co-ed. So primary would be five to 11. It's, it's little boys and girls that, that get all taught together. It is always a female president. I have never in my experience heard of a male primary president ever. Right. I, maybe someone's going to DM me and be like, in my ward. <laughs> but like, no, for me, that's never happened. And same thing for the nursery. So the nursery is for 18 months to about four. 
that's the little, little kids never, sometimes men will volunteer to help out mainly because it gets them out of going to class, but there's no, I've, I've yet to hear of male leadership in that. Mm -hmm. And then outside of that, it's all men. Mm-hmm. Well, I was going to ask Sam, can you, can a man, an unmarried man go to the celestial kingdom, the highest? You know what? I actually don't, I don't know that specifically, but I would okay. imagine no. Okay. Because, because the rule is if you don't, if yeah. you don't have that, it's called a ceiling. If you don't okay. have that temple ceiling, then no. So, so I, I would imagine. That's at least fair. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Equity. Equity. Yeah. Right we're both, both going to be waving up at God together. Yeah. Like, yeah. So yeah, so that's, mm-hmm. that's something that I struggle with. And, and the thing that I always say to people when, when people ask me, like within the church, my thoughts on things, mm-hmm. I always say, if I had gotten married young, if I had gotten married young and had kids, I do not think I would have been asking the questions I'm asking because the system would have worked for me. The system would have been built for me. The the talks and the lessons would have been directed at me, right? Instead of me sitting over here trying to make sense of how I apply a lesson on marriage Mm -hmm. to me being a single person. Yeah. Right. And having to constantly do this mental gymnastics of, okay, like, how does that apply to me? Like, how do I make that work for me? Right. Mm -hmm. So, so yeah, like, I think the, the problem as you get older and you're still single in the LDS church is it becomes harder and harder to relate to the mass. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because by my age, there's people with 10 or 11 year olds. Yeah. Yeah. I can't relate to that. Yeah. You know, or, or people that are on baby number three. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I can't relate to that, you know, or people that have been married for 10 or 12 years. Yeah. I can't relate to that. So, so it becomes harder and harder to have this line of similarity mm-hmm. when your life experience is so vastly different. Mm-hmm. Yeah from the others. And then there's people that will say like, no, we need, we need your voice and we mm-hmm. need your influence. And I believe them when they say that. I don't, I don't think anybody's saying that as a platitude. Yeah. However, I also don't want to be the token. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Look at, look at, she's, she's okay. Mm-hmm. Right? She's self-sufficient. She's got a good job. While she waits. Mm-hmm. Uh, Let's have her speak to us. You know, it, it's, <laughs> it's but like, keep her away from so, the small young children because she might influence. <laughs> <laughs> she might influence them. Keep her away. Yes. <laughs> My brother-in-law's divorced. <laughs> Would you? Yeah. No. <laughs> Sam, in yeah. the in the church too, is it is it accepted or I guess acceptable to marry someone outside of the religion? That would depend on the person you are speaking to. Mm-hmm. Okay. Isn't there rules like if you're not in the church, you can't go into the temple, right? And Correct. then you can't be married in the temple? Correct. Ah. Mm-hmm. That makes sense then. 
So it depends on who you ask that question. But from what Gabby said, then you can't get married in the temple. And it's kind of like, what's the point? Correct. Correct. Some, you know, there are some people who would say, I just want my kid to be happy. Mm -hmm. Right. I want them to be treated well. I want them to be respected. I want them to have a partner, not just a, not just a husband or a wife, but somebody that they can build a life with. And again, I'm very grateful. That's my mom, Lord lover. The other day she called me and she's like, look, I don't even care if you get married to someone in the church at this point. She's like, I don't care. I just want you to be happy. And so like, I, I, that means so much to me as I'm in this deconstruction journey and being like, "Mm, is that, is that something that's really important to me? Right. Or is it not? And I think my dad would feel a little different. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think my, my dad would be a little like, oh, okay, I'm glad you're happy. But, but there's a lot of families who wouldn't even entertain the idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Or if you, or if you did, you would get, you would get a very long, you know, discussion about what you're going to miss out on and what you won't mm-hmm. have. And we're worried about you and this is going to be so hard. And you know, shocker, a lot of people who marry individuals outside of the church end up leaving the church themselves. Mm -hmm. And so that becomes a really big concern for the families of people that choose to marry outside of the religion. So, so yeah, it's, that's the thing about all of this is it's so complex. And, and within the church, there absolutely are people that would be like, great, you found this, you know, for me, like you found this great, amazing guy and he makes you happy and all this stuff. Woo. High five. But then there would be other people who would be like, oh, it's just so sad. Mm. It's like you can't win. No. With this journey that you've gone on and continue to be on, Sam, outside of therapy, has there been anything else that's helped you just a lot? Like whether it's like a book or a podcast or a person, you know, just anything that's kind of been a helpful resource. Mm -hmm. The – as she said it podcast has been huge for me. It's two very progressive Mormon women discussing, you know, the really uncomfortable topics, discussing patriarchy, sexism, racism, the real history of the church, discussing the history of polygamy. That's that's been a very helpful vehicle for my sister and I. Is it is it as she said it or at last she said it? At last she said it. Sorry. No, no, that's okay. I just, I'm following it. So I wanted to make sure I got the right <laughs> yeah. one. Yeah, there's one more. Yes, Faith Matters. That's that's been that's been a good one. And I think something culturally that's very interesting is is you hear a lot of people say, yes, ask questions. Right? Like, mm-hmm. like you should ask questions. You should study scripture. You should study talks. You should be, you know, prepared. Because we we know the lesson in advance before we get to church. So like we're like a week ahead. So like we can prepare during the week, which, which is good. Like that's great. Cause then you get people that can actually engage in discussion and talk about it. So yeah. So we're prepared when we show up on Sundays. And so with the expectation that you have questions, mm-hmm. that you're coming with questions, that you're wanting to understand things better. I think some, and, and in theory, I love that. Right. Because Really, it's a religion that's encouraging exploration, that's encouraging you individually building an understanding 
of your relationship with the doctrine. However, the expectation is that we all arrive to the same Mm. answer. Mm -hmm. Right? Right. You don't deviate. You don't deviate. So, so, so the expectation is yes, the, we're all asking these questions and we're all going to end up here. And the issue that I've had as I've asked more and more questions is I've ended up here with more questions, right? With, with like no, with no specific answers or, you know, deep understanding of why something is, I've made peace with certain things, but I can't say like, oh yeah, like I got the answer, but you hear that theme a lot. Mm-hmm. You hear people share their, their testimonies and their experiences of how they ask specific questions and prayed and prayed and prayed. And then they always end up at the same answer. The mm-hmm. answer is everybody else. And that in its own way kind of validates the truth of the church, mm-hmm. right? Cause, Oh, everybody's ending up at the same place. So, so that has been, that has been very confusing, but, but yet people tell me to ask my questions. Right. It's like a right? double bind. Yeah. But then I'm like, you can't handle my questions. <laughs> <laughs> like I literally, like a, a year and a half ago, I, I had a conversation with the bishop of my ward at the time. And I told him what I was struggling with. And I was honest. And he was like, he was like, but Samantha, we want your questions. We do. And I believed him. Right. I, I believed that he was thinking, yeah, come and ask your questions so you can get the right answer. And that was like a huge mindset shift for me in that conversation to realize like, oh, she's different. Like I've gone, not, not that he made me feel that way, but that was my realization of I have done way too much inner work to go backwards. Like the the work that I've done cannot be ignored no matter how hard I try to swallow it. And it goes against my personal value system to do that. One of my biggest values is authenticity. And something that I struggle with too, is there's a lot of people when I share these concerns with members of the church, they agree. There's a lot of people that agree. There are a lot of people with doubts and concerns and questions, but you are, you become a pariah Hmm. if you really speak up and say what your truth is of like, if you speak truth to power. Mm-hmm. So, so there is, there is with any system, there is an ease and a comfort that comes with just accepting the system as it is. Well, I think it's like what I'm really hearing too, is just right. Like I think a lot of the work we do as therapists is helping people recognize that there aren't, right answers to things. We have to live in the gray. We have to live in the nuance. Things are not black and white. And I think that it's really hard if you come from or are raised in a religion that says that things aren't black or things are black and white. There is a right and a wrong answer. And if you're struggling with nuance, which is very human and questioning is very human, right? Like there's mm-hmm. something wrong with you. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And Fern, going back to your question about like, you know, people or books or podcasts or things that have helped another person that's been hugely helpful to me has been Charlie Bird. I don't know if you've heard of him. So he, 
So he was BYU's ever famous mascot, Cosmo. And he is gay. He's out. Oh, I think I saw a documentary on this. Yeah. And he is still active in the church. And he has taken it on himself to show that there is nothing wrong with me. And I have, he says, like, I've made the personal choice to figure out how to live within the church. Like the doctrine is important to me and I'm doing work to figure out how I fit into that. And I have huge respect for him and just deeply admire him because my faith deconstruction has been complex and I'm a straight woman, let alone adding in being a member of the LGBTQ community. Yeah. So he, so he's been a huge influence for me in kind of being kind of like shaking my tree a bit in regards to my privilege. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Right? And, and kind of being like, okay, if, if Charlie can figure out how to work through things, I probably could do if, if I mm-hmm. so decide that that's what I want to do. But mm-hmm. I think what's blown me away is like how cruel people are to him. Mm-hmm. How mm-hmm. mean and not understanding they are and he'll share dms that he gets and and comments that he gets on things and from members of the church right and it's just i'm like the hypocrisy for some of these people to stand up and and pontificate and preach on emulating christ and being like christ and 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 self-assigning this belief that you are chosen by God yeah, mm-hmm. and you treat anybody outside of your circle like absolute dog trash. Yeah. yeah. That is the exact antithesis of what I was taught growing up. Yeah. And you know, like even in Utah, because like in Florida, there's the don't say gay bill. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And now Utah's house state house is trying to do the same thing, yes. but also even taking it a step further because there's a mother in Draper who got upset that her child's teacher had a picture of her and her spouse on the desk. Mm. It makes me so, it's, so angry. It makes me so mad <laughs> because nowhere in doctrine or scripture yeah, yeah. does God or Christ say, you need to defeat and destroy anything that goes against what you think I believe. Mm. Right. Right. Yeah. And your rigid Orthodox interpretation. Yeah. Right. Right. And I find it that these same people that, that, you know, think that they're the standard bearers of freedom only want freedom to extend to white, straight Christian circles. Yes. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Freedom dies and ends where the last line of white straight Christian individuals reside right? Yeah. in a lot of these religious circles, LDS right. included. Because the answers right yeah. to their questions yeah. are one answer. And that's the only answer that you can get from that is the only, there is no, there is no deviation from it. And when you talk to them and you question them, it still ends on God said. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> Whenever anyone says that, I, like in, in any religious context, I'm like, do you like? Did you talk to him personally? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that's you just poking, like, like yeah. a, a, poking the bear, poking the bear, or poking a hole in the balloon, right, and watching it deflate because yes. it's not real. 
Right. No, it is not. Well, and and it ties back to to the point I made at the beginning where, you know, this is this is such a, a personal journey. And if you've never taken time to pull your head out of the cave, you have no desire to understand what the rest of the world is, right? Because it's that allegory of the cave, right? Like when you stay and you see the same thing over and over and over and over again, you think that is the world. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. The world stops and ends within the cave. Yeah. But then the second you come out of the cave, you're like, oh. Like, There's more out here than huh. just this. Mm-hmm. There's a lot more out here. And, and maybe the cave was a little too dark for me. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Turns out I don't really right. like the cave. Maybe yeah. I like the beach. Yeah. yeah. I don't like the cave. I like the sun. I have seasonal... Affective disorder. Are you sure you really want to move to Philadelphia then? (laughs) Also fair. I actually like if someone told me I had to hibernate in a cave, I'd be thrilled. Just just give me just give me a TV to the outside world. Like then I then I'd be Well, thank you, Sam, so much for coming. And I think it's just such a beautiful example too of like the nuance, the in-between, like obviously you and we all would be like, everyone needs to do whatever they need to do to take care of themselves. And for some people that is completely leaving the church. For some people it's not, but I think people can be so, feel like they have to make a choice and some people, you know, that's what they do. But I also think there's not enough stories about being in the in-between, being in the nuance, discovering things taking things that work and leaving the rest. And I, I really love that. I was going to say like, this is a prime example. So we're going to have Sam come back and segue into self care, which she is like known for on her social media channel um, for, and so she can talk about how she has integrated self care into the deconstruction of her religion and religion in general and how she uses that with her clients. So stay tuned for part two. <laughs> yes. And if you're looking for a therapist, like we said, Sam is accepting new clients and she's licensed in Utah, Illinois, Massachusetts, Virginia, soon to be DC. So yeah, and we'll link everything in the show notes. And if you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a five-star rating and review and uh, we'll see you in the next episode. Bye, everyone. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Therapy for Women podcast. To suggest a topic, submit a question, or find a qualified therapist, visit therapyforwomencenter.com.